to Building Stronger Creatives, a fitness podcast for musicians, artists, nerds, and former misfits. I'm a former out-of-shape professional musician turned personal trainer and nutrition coach to hundreds of clients, and I'll give you no-nonsense information about what it really takes to get and stay fit within the context of a creative life. Here, you'll find practical advice on strength and endurance training, sane and simple nutrition, habit building, and time management tools to help you make lifestyle changes that actually stick. Most fitness coaches have no clue what it really means to be a creative, whether you're a professional or a passionate hobbyist. I'm different. I've been where you are, and I share your values. Let me show you how you can use the gym to build a kick-ass creative life. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Building Stronger Creatives. Let me be probably the last person (laughs) to wish you a happy new year. I know it's January 11th, but I've only been back from New Zealand for a couple of days. So for me, this sort of feels like the beginning of the new year. This is the week where I'm getting organized with all of my work and personal stuff. I'm getting back to work. I'm still trying to adjust to jet lag a little bit. And unfortunately, I'm reacclimating to winter and much, much shorter days than I uh, was able to enjoy for the last few weeks. So I want to spend today's episodes kind of recapping my trip. I shared a lot about this trip and my prepare, uh, my training, excuse me, in preparation for it in the previous year, especially in the last few months. And so now that it's over with and I sort of have been through all my experiences, I want to share some lessons that I learned, especially as it relates to preparing for a backpacking and hiking trip. So before I do that, I just want to share a few announcements. Um, I am bringing guest episodes to the podcast as promised. Actually, later today, I'm going to be interviewing my good friend and fellow coach. Her name is Jacqueline Stover, um, and she is an expert in improving consistency through helpful systems and daily habits and implementation. And I really love Jacqueline as a person. She's a really good friend of mine, but I also really respect her as a coach. And I know that the information that she's going to share about her own transformation and not just stuff she does with her clients, but stuff that's worked for herself is going to be really helpful if you're a creative person who wants to make changes in the new year, but is struggling to implement consistently. So that episode is going to go live next week. Um, I am hoping eventually to do a couple of guest episodes per month, but for now we're going to start with once a month as I sort of get organized with interviews. But I'm really excited to bring that to you. I'm lucky to know a lot of really smart people both in the fitness and nutrition space and also in the music space and the art space, and I can't wait to share these conversations and get these people in your ears because I really think this information is going to be super, super helpful. Uh, The second announcement I want to make is that I decided that I'm going to postpone starting my next round of Sane and Simple Nutrition. I was originally going to start it in February, but there are a couple reasons why I'm postponing it, and I'm just sharing them in case you were interested in the program. So the first reason is that I really was super busy when I was in New Zealand. It was a lot of work, honestly, it sounds so pathetic, but it was a lot of work to just post photo dumps and updates from the trip, and I didn't really have much time to do any other work because we were so busy having a great time. So I want to make sure that I give the program uh, and the buildup to the program and sharing nutrition content and all that stuff, all of the great time that it needs. I don't want to like sell it short. So I don't want it to feel rushed. I want it to feel like I have enough time to kind of breathe into the program and also share with you what the program's all about. Which brings me to the second reason that I'm postponing it is that I was thinking a lot 
that I want to sort of revamp the program and I want to make it even more effective for you by including more information sort of on food psychology and our relationship with food. I was thinking about my own transformation and while learning basic nutrition principles was important, some of the things that made the biggest difference were learning more about my own psychology, the reasons why I was doing what I was doing, and then learning strategies to help with that. Now, Sane and Simple Nutrition has always included a mindset component, but I want to make it a bigger part of the program. So I need a little bit of time to think about how we can make this program the most helpful for you as someone who understands what's really at the root a lot of times of our inability to change our eating habits or lose weight. So I think that it's going to come later in the spring. I'll be sure to share a concrete day when I have pinned that down. Like I said, I'm doing a lot of personal organization this week, but just know that I'm not going to launch it in February because I want to make sure that I um, continue to evolve the program so it's as helpful for you as possible. Okay, so like I said, today's episode is going to be a little bit of a recap of my New Zealand trip. So I won't share a ton of information on like stuff that I did. We did really honestly so much stuff in the two and a half weeks that I was there. My sister and brother-in-law did such an amazing job planning like an excellent agenda. We did a lot of driving. I feel like I really saw a lot of the South Island. A lot of the places that we went were just amazing beyond words. Unbelievably beautiful, even beyond my wildest expectations. I know a few people in my life have been lucky enough to go to New Zealand and they'll understand. If not, and it's something that speaks to you or you're someone who really loves mountains or that type of landscape, I definitely would say that it's absolutely worth having this as a long-term goal. I know that it takes a lot of planning. It takes a lot of resources. So if you have to save and plan for years and years and years, I definitely would recommend it. Like this was absolutely the coolest, best thing I've ever done in my life. And I think it'll be really difficult Um, Although I have had many great experiences, I think it'll be a long time before something that's similar to this ever tops this, if it even does. So absolutely worth all of the time and planning. It's a truly special place, a really unique and beautiful place. The people, like the Kiwis were awesome. Um, I just can't say enough good things about, about going there. So again, if New Zealand speaks to you or you've thought about going, I strongly suggest like make it a reality, um, even if it requires a lot of work and planning. Um, I know it certainly did for me and I don't regret it even one bit. So one of the reasons why I did so much like training and preparation for this trip physically is that we didn't do a ton of sightseeing. A lot of what we did was hiking and outdoor exploration. We did lots and lots of small hikes and we also did three larger hikes that were all quite challenging in their own way. Um, The first was just a day hike. I think it was like seven miles and change. We went to go see a close viewpoint of the Franz Joseph Glacier. Uh, For those who don't know, and I didn't really understand the extent of this, the whole South Island of New Zealand basically was shaped by glaciers and there's still a lot of glaciers there. It was so cool to be able to see glaciers like up close and personal and to see like what I would consider to be the peak example of uh, beautiful landscapes formed by glaciers. So anyways, we did this hike pretty early on and the terrain was really difficult. So it was really steep, um, a lot of difficult rock scrambles. And then to make it even harder, it started to rain on us, which actually uh, probably made the trail a little bit dangerous, to be honest. So, so that one was difficult, but absolutely worth it early in the trip. And then the kind of the highlight of the trip were these two great walks that we did. So they were multi-night backpacking trips. The great walks, there are 10 of them and they're like 
uh, hikes that are really special in New Zealand. They're competitive to get spots so that you can actually do them. Um, I had to book them back in May. So I, I knew for a long time that we were going to be doing them. The first one that we did is called the Kepler Track. Uh, and that one was about 36 miles in three days. The last day was 15 miles of hiking. So pretty challenging hike. The uh, second one that we did was called the Root Burn Track. Uh, it was shorter, so it was about 24 miles. But the second day of the Root Burn was probably the hardest day of hiking that we had. We hiked about 11 miles. Uh, we had about 3,500 feet of elevation gain. Uh, we did a bunch of like side summits that were quite steep and had quite difficult rock terrain. And there was just a lot of climbing and descending in the same day. So even though it was shorter than the Kepler, it was quite challenging, especially after we only we did the root burn like two days after we did the Kepler. So within the course of a week with only a couple days of rest, we hiked about 60 miles. So that was what I was doing all the training and preparation for. So after going through this experience and reflecting on my preparation and, and things I was happy about, a few things that I wish I had done differently, I want to share some of those lessons with you. So the first thing that was really hammered home to me is that if you want to succeed with like hiking, backpacking, especially doing lengthy trips where you're carrying a lot of gear, you're camping, etc., you really need a blend of cardio fitness and strength. If you are lacking like a substantially in either of these categories, your enjoyment of the hike and your performance on the hike is really going to suffer. So Strength is really important because strength, first of all, it would it's what helps you carry your gear comfortably. So if your core is weak, if your back and shoulders are weak, your bag is going to pull on you. It's going to be uncomfortable, even if you have a pretty light bag. Uh, leg strength, of course, everybody knows is important, but especially as you get tired, as you're hiking difficult terrain, when you're descending, which in a lot of ways is harder than actually climbing up the mountain, strength in your legs is going to keep you feeling good. It's going to minimize joint pain and reduce your risk of injuries. So it's really, really important to be strength training in your preparation for these trips. Now, cardio fitness, of course, is also important. Um, I'm going to just transition into my second point, which is like what parts of cardio fitness I realized are most important. So I think that a lot of people have this idea that like if I'm fit, I'm never going to be out of breath. I'm never going to be winded on the slopes. Like I'm just going to be cruising along and it's all going to be easy. And I don't think that that's a realistic expectation. And instead, I think what are really, really helpful markers of cardio fitness for this type of trip are one, heart rate recovery, and two, just your overall endurance capabilities. So heart rate recovery is a metric that tracks how quickly your heart rate drops to a lower beats per minute number after being elevated. So a really great way to test this is to hop on a bike and do not like an all-out sprint, but go as hard as you can continuously for about six minutes. And then you're going to see you want sorry I should back up you you want to wear a heart rate monitor for this so at the end of the six minutes you're going to see where your heart rate is you're going to just sit down and rest and you want to see first of all that your heart rate drops below 130 beats per minute in about a minute maybe 90 seconds and you also want to see um you know that it drops a certain number of, of beats so like if your heart rate's at 180 you'd want to see it get uh to like 1 130 or if it's a little bit lower you'd want to see it get lower but the idea is not that like we want to prevent 
our heart rate from being elevated because that's not it's not necessarily a bad thing and it's unrealistic second of all to expect that it's never going to be elevated on like a long climb or something like that but what we want is that when we do stop to rest we quickly recover back to baseline because that allows us then to keep going and to have further difficult efforts so in your training it's not necessarily how high you can get your heart rate or even um, all the time that like your heart rate never gets high and that everything feels easy. But what we want is that when our heart rate does get elevated, let's say above 150, 160 beats per minute, that when we stop to rest, it drops quickly. And that's a metric that you can track as you're doing different types of cardio training to see that it improves. The other thing that's really important is just overall endurance. Like even if your heart is... Uh, pounding if your heart rate is low like what's really important on these trips is that you can just keep going for hours and hours and hours so some days you might hike less distance but the the distance that you climb requires a lot of elevation or difficult terrain and so you might be hiking for like six eight hours um, maybe your your time is less but what you want is not to be like super tired and fatigued at the end of that like it might a great way to think about it might be like you appreciate the rest, but you probably could hike a little bit more if you needed to. Like that's a great place to finish your day. So it's important to make sure that if you have like a long backpacking trip or you have a trip that has long days, that you're doing at least some long cardio training leading up to the trip. So for me, I got really specific and mostly was doing rucking. So I was walking with a weighted bag um, for long rucks. I think the longest one I did was like 10 miles, um, but I did some that were, I did quite a few that were like over seven miles. And those last for quite a while. They last for at least 90 minutes. And I think that's a good metric to use. It doesn't have to be rucking though, especially, I don't know, for whatever reason, rucking isn't as accessible to you, but making sure that you're doing some type of like easy to moderate cardio that lasts for 90 minutes or more. Um, ideally more and more of it as you approach your trip because you want to improve your body's capacity to just continually produce energy for you to use. If you never do long training sessions, you could probably still do the hike if you're in good shape, but it's going to be a lot more difficult. You can think of this as like if you've ever trained for a marathon or known someone who has, the way that training typically works is that they do increasingly longer like long runs they typically do one long run a week and then they do other shorter runs and as you're getting closer to the actual race you're going to get to a point where you're running um i don't know exactly what the number is but you're going to get pretty close to the actual distance of the marathon so you're going to take a few weeks then to back off and then you do the race which is the longest distance so when you're training for a backpacking trip you don't necessarily need to like do a six hour cardio workout that's totally unrealistic for most people but if you can start to do a couple of sessions that are just getting longer and longer, maybe closer to your distance, even if it's flat, which is basically what I did, um, or just adding a little bit of time, like getting those longer sessions under your belt is going to help you so much. So number three lesson, which is something that I wish that I had done differently, is that it's really important to take your foot and ankle training really seriously. Now, I kind of knew this, but I think that I could have done more to better prepare myself for this trip. So there are a few things at play here. The first is your general ankle mobility. Um, your ankle is a pretty mobile joint. It can move a lot of different ways, but it's really important that you can like flex. Um, so pointing your toes like back up toward your knee and then pointing your toes away from you, which is extending your ankle as much as you can. If you think about hiking up a steep hill, 
your ankle is basically flexed the whole time. So if you have limited ankle um, dorsiflexion, which means basically that you struggle to like bend your uh, toes back up toward your leg, some other joint, namely your knees most likely, is going to take up that slack. So it's really important to be doing ankle mobility drills. And also like if you're doing things like squats or lunges that require a lot of ankle movement that you use a full range of motion. Now, this part of the equation, I think I did pretty well because I happen to have pretty mobile ankles. But the other thing is that we need our feet and our ankles and lower legs in general to be just kind of strong and resilient. So when you're hiking like you put really so many demands on your feet. So especially on some of the terrain that we were walking, there's just a lot of your foot is like in weird angles because it's really steep or it's in a crevice. You're hiking on a lot of rocks. And so there's not like a solid footing. And just after many, many miles and and carrying weight and stuff like that, it can start to take a toll on your feet. And since your feet are literally the things that are connecting you to the ground and that are carrying you forward, it's just really important to um, include some of this stuff in your training. So I, um, the, when I worked with my coach, like I know he did a lot of this stuff with people in the group, but it was at the point in the summer where I had hurt my hip. So I sort of skipped a lot of it. And so I think that my feet for me were really the weak link of the trip. And so if I went back, like I would make sure even I would add it in myself, like if, if it wasn't programmed with my coach, I would do more like foot strengthening work. I probably would do more barefoot type training. Um, in certain circumstances at the gym. Um, I probably would do more like low-level plyometrics, so things like jumping rope earlier or doing like um, other jumping exercises where you're you're mostly jumping from the foot and ankle. Uh, I would include a lot more of that stuff in my program. And my my feet are honestly feeling a little beat up from the trip for a variety of reasons. So once they start to recover and heal, that's probably something that I'm going to do more of in my workouts moving forward. Even though I don't have a big trip like this planned, I've seen that it, it's a weakness for me and I want to try to bring it up. My hip that was injured was not a weakness. My cardio fitness, absolutely not a weakness. None of my other strength was a weakness. The only thing that I really felt uh, was an issue on this trip was my feet specifically. So something to keep in mind for you if you've never done any type of like ankle mobility work, you have no idea even if your ankles are flexible or not. If you've never done any work to strengthen your feet, um, I definitely think it's something to research more and include in your training if you have aspirations of doing a lot of hiking. The fourth lesson that I learned that I really appreciated for my own prep was that it's great to use as much time as you possibly have to prepare physically for these types of trips. So it's totally possible, like especially if you're already working out, you're in decent shape to prepare for a trip in like a couple of months. But if you know you're going on a trip, like let's say right now in the Northern Hemisphere, it's weird for me to adjust, but let's say you're going to have summer in June, July, August, you know you have some trips planned then, you can start training now for those trips. And you don't have to be super specific. I'm going to talk more about specificity in my next lesson. Like you don't have to be rucking all the time right now, but you can be doing some base work to improve your cardio fitness. Um, You could be starting to build more strength in your feet and ankles. You could be bringing up other strength weak spots. Like the more time that you have to prepare, the more time that you give your body to build really deep changes and adaptations that are going to help your performance. And you can layer more stuff on top of that. Like it's, it takes time to change your body. And this is something we hopefully all know by now, but it it also takes time to improve your performance. So the more time that you have to prepare, 
the more you can think about like what physical qualities are holding me back like what do I need to to build and how can I stack those things on top of each other over long term to maximize results the better now this is kind of high level thinking and this is where it can be really helpful to hire a coach who understands how to put these qualities together and layer things Um, but even if all you start doing is like making sure you're hitting the gym consistently right now and you're doing a mix of strength and cardio maybe you're doing uh, some work to bring up weak spots Whereas before you might sort of like be really lack, take a lackadaisical approach to training and then hit the gym really hard like two months before your trip, that already is going to be a big improvement. So just consider that if you already have big plans for a hiking or backpacking trip later this summer. The fifth lesson is that when you're getting closer to the trip, it's really helpful to get as specific as possible. So there are a few ways that I use this and I honestly think they made such a huge difference on the trail. One was that, as I already mentioned, I did a lot of rucking. So the main thing that you're doing on a backpacking trip is walking with weights, right? That's the main physical thing that's involved. And it was really helpful to have had hours and hours and miles and miles of walking with a bag on my back. Now, for me, I got even more specific and I used the exact bags that I was going to take on my trip. So I have a uh, Rucker 3.0 from Go Ruck. That's what I was using to ruck with previously. But I got a different backpack with like a really great harness, um, a small day pack. And I knew I was going to take that as my day hiking bag. So I just started doing most of my rucks with that bag so that I could get used to it. And then I also made sure to do a few rucks with like my bigger backpacking bag packed out with as much of my gear as I could. What I wanted was to just get rid of as many unknown variables as possible. So it's probably would have been fine if I did all my rucking with these smaller bags and then I just showed up with my backpacking bag but in the back of my head I would have been like is this bag going to be uncomfortable like what's it going to feel like there are just a lot of things that I wouldn't have been sure about instead what I did was I did longer rucks with that big backpacking bag and so I knew like how it fit I knew how to adjust it I knew how to pack it like all that stuff was easy for me and so then when I was in New Zealand it was just doing something that I'd sort of already done before albeit with heavier Uh, load maybe a little bit with longer days but like there were fewer unknowns also relevant to this is that I wore a lot of the same clothes and the same shoes that I was going to wear over and over as I did these rucks so I decided ahead of time what my clothing system would be and then I trained in those clothes and I trained in those shoes and I tried to keep the gear that I was using the same as what I knew I would be using in New Zealand And so again, just eliminating unknowns, basically just practicing what you want to do as you're working to build fitness. So then when I got to New Zealand, like there were just a lot fewer things that I had to worry about. I felt confident. I knew like my shit would work. I knew how to use my gear. It just makes it much more enjoyable and much easier. So if you are like pretty close to a trip or maybe you have something come up last minute, I definitely encourage you to take a similar approach. I would ruck at least once a week, if not twice a week. Um, One ruck can be a little heavier and a little shorter, like 45 to 60 minutes. And then the other ruck can be longer, like 60, 90, even two hours. So when you're doing those rucks as much as possible, try to wear the same clothes and shoes, try to use the same gear, just get used to it and your actual trip will be a lot more comfortable. And then the final lesson, this was something that I was thinking about as I was thinking about like other people in my group versus me and what I was doing, um, how I was thinking about packing my bag and buying gear. There's like 
I think that it's really helpful to have sort of a balance between the amount of gear that you're carrying in your fitness level. So on the one hand, you have to sort of think about the trip that you're taking, your personal experience level, your comfort with risk. You know, there are certain items that I carried that maybe I didn't necessarily need, but I would have wanted in an emergency. So certain types of first aid equipment, survival equipment, stuff like that. Um, I could have gone lighter, but I wanted those items um, because they would have been essential in, you know, God forbid an emergency happen. There are also a couple of luxury items that I took. Like when we did our camping hike, I took a chair because uh, I knew with my hip, like sitting on the ground all the time might not feel the greatest. So I carried this one pound chair, you know, but this stuff adds up. Now, I didn't take a bunch of shit that I really didn't need and could have left. So I also focused on efficiency and lightening my load. But the point of this is that I used improving my fitness level to allow me to just take the amount of gear that I needed to have my best trip. So if you're really weak and you're out of shape, like you're going to be forced to carry less gear, which might be fine in some situations, but it can be really expensive to buy lighter gear. Um, And you might compromise safety or comfort versus if you can become more fit, it allows you to more comfortably carry more stuff. Now, I'm not saying you should carry like a huge amount of stuff, but like a lot of the issues with uh, lighter backpacking communities, ultralight communities, is people saying like, I was carrying all this load um, and it really made me uncomfortable and it ruined my experience of the trip. My sort of philosophy after going through this process is like, yes, get rid of stuff you don't need if you can afford to lighten some of your items, but like also you can get stronger and fitter in a lot of cases to the point where you will be more comfortable carrying that amount of weight. So just something to think about. There's definitely a balancing act between, you know, carrying the right amount of gear, finding the right weight, but also just being strong and being fit and knowing that you can handle the situation and still have a good time. So just to summarize six lessons that I learned, and this is really specific to training for a backpacking trip, but hopefully it's interesting to you even if you're not involved in that kind of pursuit. Um, There's definitely some lessons that you could take more broadly as well. The first lesson is that for hiking and backpacking, it's really a balancing act between cardio fitness and strength. If you don't have cardio fitness, you're going to struggle to get through the hikes. You're going to be um, feeling like shit, quite frankly. Your energy is going to be really low. And if you don't have strength, your joints are probably going to suffer. Your posture is going to suffer. You're going to physically feel really beat up. So we really want both of these things to feel our best on the hike. The second lesson is that to look more specifically at cardio fitness, it's not that you never get your heart rate elevated or you never get winded or you're never breathing heavy. It's that your heart rate can recover really quickly, okay? And also that you can go for a really long period of time. Those are the two things that I would place the most emphasis on when you're doing your cardio training. The third lesson is that your feet and ankles are so crucial to literally moving through the hike, but also just how you feel. And they're often one of the most neglected things. I know for me, my feet were the absolutely the weak part, weak link in my own journey. So if I were to go back again, I would do more work to strengthen my feet and ankles. And I suggest that you consider doing the same. The fourth lesson is that if you have the luxury of a really long time to prepare and train for your trip, you should absolutely take advantage of it. It's less stressful. You can make deeper, more lasting changes, and you're going to get a lot more out of the training process. The fifth lesson is that when you're close to your trip, let's say within a couple of months, you do want to start getting more specific. So you absolutely should be rucking if you have the capacity to do so or the gear to do so. 
Ideally, you're going to rock with some of your same gear um, at least some of the time, and that includes clothes and shoes. And the final lesson was that, yes, it's great to have a lighter load, but when you're stronger and you're fitter, you can have a more enjoyable experience carrying maybe a little bit more gear, which might mean you have a more comfortable nights of sleep, or maybe you feel more secure with safety, or you have some other luxury items that you otherwise might not be able to handle. So physical training can really make such a big difference in your enjoyment of the trip. So that is really all, uh, unless you're on my email list, because I'm going to send out an email version of this tomorrow, but that's really all you're going to hear from me about New Zealand. If you want to see more of what we did, see some of the photos from these absolutely incredible hikes and beautiful places that we got to go, you can find all that stuff. It's still pretty fresh on my social media. My Instagram is just my name, at Caroline Juster, or you can find me on Facebook, Caroline Juster Fitness, or just search my name and you'll find me there as well. I posted quite a lot of photos, especially on Facebook. (laughs) So if you really want to see, there's plenty of stuff there for you. Um, Overall, just I want to say that this trip was so great, but also preparing for this trip was so helpful and so motivating. As I'm thinking about what I want to do in 2023, I'm thinking that, you know, in 2022, while this was a challenging process with ups and downs, it really was very helpful for me to have a concrete goal, a big picture goal that I was working toward. And I want to kind of take that energy forward into 2023. So, More thoughts on that, I'm sure, to come. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening today. I guess for being on this whole New Zealand journey with me. I know I've shared a lot about it, but like I said, it's been a really big part of my life for the last year, and uh, the trip itself was such a great experience, and I feel really grateful for that. Guest episodes coming next week, so I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Building Stronger Creatives. If something you heard resonated with you, I would love for you to share this episode with someone else who might enjoy it. I also always appreciate comments, ratings, and reviews. These things help me get the word out to other creatives who could benefit from this type of information. See you back on the next episode. Until then, stay curious, stay passionate, and stay strong.